It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Got co-host Wes Goldberg joining me in just a minute. The Dubs have more injury news. Obviously, that seems like it's a daily occurrence. And Steve Kerr is not used to the situation that he is currently in. And when you hear about his record, you won't be able to blame him. All that's coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Wes Goldberg joining me in just a minute. Dubs have more injury news, but at least there's going to be some movement off this injury news. It's not just, oh, so-and-so's hurt, you lose another player. So there's going to be some movement, going to be some new faces coming back or old faces coming back, however you want to look at it, which is a positive. And that could potentially mean someone might get some time in the G League coming up, which is also a positive, not a bad thing. But all that's coming up in just a minute here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Trend Micro. At CDW, we get that patch-together security can leave gaps in protection. I patch things together all the time, like this broken desk chair. Some duct tape, good as new. Orchestrated by CDW, Trend Micro Cloud One provides unified protection and better visibility across cloud services. It's all-in-one cloud security that can hold its own. Okay. Want to buy some gently used office furniture? No, thanks. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash trendmicro. Wes, what's up, man? Another uh, day in the city, another day home. A uh, (laughs) two-game homestand after they lost to Memphis. And as annoying as it is, we keep mentioning it, but it's a necessary evil of this year. Injury updates. We have more injury updates to get to today. and. The interesting part is there at least might be some movement off of these injury updates, and we'll tell you what that means uh, in just a second. But what can you tell us about uh, the newest updates as far as the roster is concerned? Well, first and foremost, Damian Lee will play against the Knicks. Um, He was held out against the Grizzlies just because the nature of his injury coming back from a hand injury, it's just it's hard to get your feel back, and he just didn't have it. So. They were patient with him, understanding that they were also adding Jacob Evans back. So really no reason to rush two guys back in. You bring Jacob Evans back in on Monday. Damian Lee will be added to the rotation on Wednesday. I asked Steve Kerr about what he expects from Damian Lee. He will play. 
Uh, we shouldn't expect a lot of minutes from him, maybe like 10 or 11 minutes, similar to what Jacob Evans got. Um, but he's also one of these two-way contract guys, so he's using up his his days. Uh, but they're not really concerned about that right now, especially because he isn't even close to what you know somebody like Kai Bowman has used up. So they're going to get him back into the into the lineup there, and so that's the positive. And then the, and then the negative is that Eric Pascal has been downgraded to questionable for Wednesday's game against the Knicks. Uh, he has been playing a whole lot of minutes. He's been, you know, there's been talk of him maybe hitting the rookie wall a little bit. This, to me, feels like it's just a little bit of wear and tear, and they're holding him out. Oh, I shouldn't say they're holding him out. We don't know if they're holding him out. But uh, for now, he's questionable. We'll find out more, of course, um, you know, before the game probably. But um, the, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. And if they if they lose Pascal, then they're going to have to probably use another new starting lineup. Yeah, which uh, I don't have the numbers on them, but they've used a lot already. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, w- I was never going to suggest that they rest Pascal at a certain point, but the bottom line is the guy has played, you know, 30-plus minutes in just about every single game. So you had to imagine at some point there would be a, again, not a rest, but maybe you pull back a little bit on the minutes or something like that. I know he's a rookie and all that stuff, but still, you know, he, he, he'd really been going hard with his physical style of play. Um. I don't know. I guess yeah, it's I kind it was of only expected. a matter of time. It was only a matter of time with Pascal. I mean, I know Warriors fans right now, every injury is like, you know, you know, every, you know, the whole world is falling apart right now, but guys miss games over the course of the season. It feels like if Pascal misses this game, it's just going to be a missed game. I, I don't think it's anything too serious, at least from what I'm hearing right now. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, this is like you said, he's been carrying a heavy load. I mean, this was bound to happen at some point. He wasn't going to play the rest. He wasn't going to play every game. 30-plus minutes for the rest of the season. It just wasn't doable. Definitely. And then when it comes to Damian Lee also with his, uh, as you mentioned, two-way contract and only so many days uh, allowed to be with the team, I'm sure it was also part of why he didn't play in the last game. Obviously, Jacob Evans coming back, so it wasn't as dire of a situation to get him to play. But then the added benefit of, hey, it's just another day that we get to keep him around before we have to make a a final final roster move to either keep him or send him uh, down to the G League or or cut him, you know? Yeah, and, you know, I don't think it's necessarily even something that they're really worried about right now. I just – they don't even have a plan with Damian Lee. I I, I mean, I asked them, and, and they, uh, you know, people I've talked to, I you know, what's the plan with Damian Lee? Are you going to keep him in the rotation? Do you think he'll be a part of the rotation? Do you, you know, foresee sending him down to the G League and stuff like that? But they liked how he was playing before he got hurt, and they're not going to make a decision on that basically until uh, – they see what he could do on the court, right? Like if he ends up being one of their best perimeter players, then then they've got another decision to make. But if he's just, you know, another dude out there and they could afford to just send him down to the G League and not have to make another decision, understanding that there is a looming decision to be made with Kai Bowman, then they'll just do that. So they're just, they're kind of in the wait and see period. Yeah, it's kind of interesting with Damian Lee, at least, I think it's more myself. I don't know about the entire fan base and, you know, some other writers out there. It feels like, some people outside the organization, myself and other other people, have a higher opinion on Damian Lee than than maybe the the Warriors actually do. You know, I was surprised, and again, circumstances kind of dictated it. If they were able to use a fifteenth roster spot, we all assume it would have been used on him. But the bottom line is, they don't. And now he's still back on a two way. Um, it, it's kind of yeah, it's just kind of a weird thing with them and Damian Lee. And I'll be interested to see what the final resolution is when it comes down to 
you know, what the, what the decision is when they comes time to make it. But I, I think he's a useful player in the NBA and especially a, a yeah. cheap one too, which, you know, you, for a team that's in the luxury tax year after year, you, that, that's important. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if there was a little bit of a hometown discount with him just sort of taking that two way contract, but the way he was playing, I mean, putting up 10 points per game, granted it was for, you know, a team that was basically playing garbage time for 48 minutes, but uh, he looks like a rotation player in the NBA, whether it's the Warriors or elsewhere. He's going to be he's 27 now. He'll be 28 next season. That's old for a guy on a two-way contract roster yeah. spot, right? So they this is sort of a contract year for him, if you really think about it. I can't imagine that the Warriors, in a rebuilding mode, even going into next season, when they're still going to be sort of turning over the end of that bench, those last few spots, I can't, I can't see them wasting a two-way contract spot on on a 28 year old player it's kind of like nut up or shut up right like either you know get get the guy on your 15 man roster or let him go somewhere else and let him play for somebody else on a 15 man roster spot because he's good enough to do that he's long he can play a couple of different positions he can shoot pretty well i mean there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to make a 15 man roster he's not he's better than a two-way contract guy he's proven a lot more than that too so it, it this is a contract year for him and that, maybe that's another reason why They'll try to see the most of him at the NBA level before having to send him down to the G League just so that they can get more intel on that as well. And on top of that, I mean, it will have been, at the end of this, it will have been two seasons within their system. That also has to count for something if he's playing well enough. You know, a guy that doesn't, hey, you don't have to worry about the, the learning curve of coming in and learning the Warriors system. I, I, uh, I'm with you. It, it's, it is basically a contract year for him because, like you said, being 28, you're gonna if there's a roster spot out there on a different team, you're you're taking it, no question. And I think I mean it also spoke to the fact that there it seems like there wasn't one out there for him this year, which again I just find weird in in today's NBA of and maybe I overrate you know the three and D wings, but it seems like there's not enough of them in today's NBA. So when there's one out there, like I don't know, it seems like an important spot that I would definitely scoop up. But again, I am not a GM, and that's probably a good thing. But uh, he'll be good to go tomorrow night. And um, one of the things I wanted to also mention with his return is it seems like it's more and more of a lock that Jordan Poole is going to be heading down to the G League to get some minutes down there, hopefully rebuild some confidence and just kind of, I don't know, get get his game to slow down a little bit. And the funny thing is, with the shots he takes, I don't think he seems that, like not confident, you know what I mean? Yeah, and and I I do wonder because there's no timetable. Like, we know that Jordan Poole is going to head to the Santa Cruz at some point. There is no timetable for when that's going to happen, at least not one that they're putting out there publicly. And and I understand them not wanting to do anything publicly. I mean, we can wake up two days from now and he's in Santa Cruz, right? Like, I don't know when he's going to be headed down there. We just expect it to happen sooner rather than later. But it kind of does feel like maybe – you know, you break up with a girl and then like, you don't want her to find out that you're dating somebody like a day later. Right. Like it kind of feels like, Hey, we got all these new guys. You're not, you're a DNP, but we're not going to send you to the G league right away. Like you kind of want to make him feel like he's still in the mix a little bit before you're completely moving on. And maybe that's what's going on here. I don't know. I'm just guessing, but it is, I, I don't expect him to play what, when they're just, you know, you've already got Jacob Evans back in play. You're adding Damian Lee to the mix. Um, I doubt Jordan Poole is going to play unless it's unless it's just like garbage time at the end of the yeah. game. And even then, I'm not sure that you even want to put him out there. No, I'm I'm with you. And hopefully, the time in the G League is you know what can help get him on track to at least a find a role 
with the Warriors. I mean, that's the thing. I, I'm not expecting him to be an all-star or anything. Can you be a guy who can come in and knock down some threes off the bench? Like, that would be huge. So we'll see how his development goes and how he plays down there. Um, but it's just it's just an odd thing because it, it's not as if, you know, with, with Pat McCaw, he wouldn't take shots. So it's like, send him down to the G League. Maybe he'll be more assertive. With Jordan Poole, it's just, I, I don't know, maybe for some reason we think he'll be able to make him in the G League and not uh, in the NBA. So, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, you know, I, I think with Jordan, it's – there's a lot, like, in practice and shoot-around, he actually practices taking shots with guys kind of flying at him and closing out defensively. And I just wonder if it's – like, he's just small – and it's just mm-hmm. hard to get shots up. It, you know, you just don't have as much space as you do. I mean, everybody talks about how much more space you have in the NBA, and that's mostly true on the floor. But if you're a small guy like him, you know, we talk about how much space Eric Pascal has versus when he was at Villanova. But Pascal's huge. Jordan Poole's small. And so when a big guy is flying at him, it probably feels like the, the floor is a little bit more constricted even than it was in college. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. And so – Maybe it's I, I do think it's just a function of the like he's just a small guy physically and yeah. it's it's hard to play that way at the NBA and he may even feel like he's limited to just taking three pointers and not being able to get to the basket as much as he wants to just because he can't he can't bang bodies like that at this level yeah. just quite yet. Yeah. Well, Steve Kerr, Draymond Green, two guys who don't know losing very well. Uh, Draymond all the way back to high school up through his entire NBA career up until this year. Steve is, you know, 30 years in the NBA, his hundreds of rings. Uh, Wes, you were able to actually sit down with Steve and talk to him about just the situation he's in this year and how he's dealing with it. And uh, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. <laughs> Making you old fashioned today with the wild turkey bourbon 101. It just really stands up very well in a classic cocktail like the old fashioned. It has that perfect boldness. Wild turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant to learn more. So, Wes, Steve Kerr has been blessed i guess you could say uh by his situation with the warriors uh it was interesting with david fisdale getting fired recently uh someone asked you know what how would your career been different if you decided to take the Knicks job and he said i would have been fired you know three years ago so the the hindsight is always interesting to look at the fact that he ended up picking the warriors over the knicks and you know there were rumors of the warriors wanting stan van gundy at the time but then Detroit offered him full control, blah, 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 blah. Steve Kerr ends up with the Warriors uh, three titles later. He is now dealing with a rebuilding season, reloading, retooling, whatever you want to call it, uh, which is something he's not used to. And you were able to actually talk to him about that. 
just I, you know, let me just toss it off to you, man. What 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 did Steve Kerr have to say about this this unfamiliar territory that he's currently in? Well, I mean, you mentioned that he's been in the league for more than thirty years. This is his first losing season he's going to have in thirty years, just about. And um, you know, he hasn't had a losing season since like nineteen, like the nineteen ninety ninety one season when he was you know a backup guard on the Cleveland Cavaliers. So he wasn't even like he wasn't even responsible. This is like the first. Like in 1990, he wasn't even responsible for anything that that team did, really. Uh, but this is the year where you could, like it's hard. It's too much to say that Steve Kerr is responsible for the losing. It's it's really just the injuries and the offseason losses and everything like that. But um, you know, he's got a huge hand in what's going on on the floor. But what stood out to me was the fact that even going into the season, before the Steph Curry injury, before everything that happened, like I, I sort of asked him, I was like, "Look, did you think that?" even after the Steph Curry injury did, or even before the Steph Curry injury, did you think that this was going to be the kind of season you guys were going to have? And, and I've always said that this, like publicly it feels like the Steph Curry broken hand is sort of the line of demarcation when the season just went to bleep, right? Like that's not true. The team was really bad, even with Steph Curry. You and I remember that, but I don't think the general public, or, I think we kind of forget that this, this season seemed doomed even before Steph Curry got hurt, right? Like yeah. there was a disjointed team. It didn't look good. And there was a lot of depth that they had lost and they would have been better than this with Steph Curry, but I don't think they would have been a playoff team with Steph Curry. And I don't think the defense would have been a whole lot better either, which has been the big problem there. And he was basically saying like, he was reading like these ESPN predictions and things like that about, Oh, the Warriors are going to the finals or the Warriors are a playoff team. They're a contender in the Western conference. And he was basically laughing even before he, even before Steph Curry got hurt, before you could really see this team in action, he was laughing. He was like, "You guys got to be crazy. We just lost Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, all these guys. There's no way we're going to win the finals. There's no way we're contenders in the Western Conference." So he expected a little bit of a rebuilding year, a little bit of a gap year. Maybe not quite what this is. Definitely not quite what this is. But he felt it in training camp, and that's what he told me. He's like, "I knew in training camp that we were really far away from from being where we were last year." Um, so he wasn't expecting them to be a contender, you know, with Steph Curry, without Steph Curry, it didn't matter. Like this, he understood that this was going to be a gap year. And I think this whole year has been a learning process for him as far as, yes, he's been in the league in a lot of different roles, 30 plus years, but he's kind of a rookie as a head coach right now, because he's never been in a situation quite like this in the role he's in right now. So just like it is for Jordan Poole and Eric Pascal and all these young guys, it's, it's a learning season for him too. And I think the, the all the losses have helped, has helped the reality set in, but it, was, it wasn't necessarily not the expectation either. Yeah, and one of the things that's crazy too, obviously the lost talent uh, was huge. You know, KD, Clay gone yeah. for the year, Andre, all that stuff. But you, you just underestimate how much continuity matters, especially in this system that they run, where it's just a unspoken language between all these players of knowing when to where to be, when to be there, uh, knowing what action to run, who to screen, et cetera, when to switch, all that stuff. You, you think it's just basketball. You can get basketball players to do that same stuff, and it's just not the case. You know, these guys had been together for, uh, in KD's case, three years, and everyone else's case, what, six six years going? So it's just right. it, it, you really underestimate the how important continuity is, uh, especially in today's NBA, which is why some people – are really high on the Nuggets because they're a team that's been together for a long time. Um, you know, I'm higher on other teams, but it was just an example of of you just can't underestimate what it's like to trust and know your teammates are going to be doing the right thing every single play. 
Yeah, and you know, even exacerbating that issue is the fact that all the the new people that you brought in are basically 23 years old or younger. And so you can look at a situation like the Lakers. I don't think any of us would say that they have any continuity, but they have experience, right? I mean, that's a turned-over roster for the most part. I mean, they have more continuity than the Warriors did. But it, there's a lot of new players on that roster, too, but they're at least experienced players. They're talented players. And you can Jordy fake veterans, yeah. chemistry. Yeah, you could fake chemistry. You could fake continuity with just veteran know-how and savvy and just seeing what the other team is doing. But the Warriors are not only trying to figure out what they are doing as a team, but like all these young guys are trying to figure out what their opponents are doing to try to stop them. And, and, and that's really, that's a really steep learning curve for anybody. And that's part of why I think Steve Kerr expected this to be a little bit of a rebuilding season, because he's looking, I'm sure he's working with Bob Myers and deciding like, Hey, what do we need to do in order to sustain something? Now it's one, it's one big, they could have just as easily went out this summer and just signed a bunch of veterans. Like they could have all, mm-hmm. filled out their, their roster with a bunch of Alec Burks's, right. But they decided not to do that. They decided to go in a different direction and restock. And, and develop guys. They expected this to be a developmental year and a teaching year for basically what was going to be their bench moving forward, or you know, hopefully what is going to be their bench going forward. Hopefully it's not wasted and that none of these guys stick around. And I don't think that they think that that's going to be the case, but they were willing to take that chance um, in order to say instead of just signing veteran minimum contract, you know, guy after you know minimum contract veteran guy over and over and over again and just trying to restock this thing every year. Let's actually get some rookie scale contracts in here. Let's trade for some guys like Omari Spellman and go get some of these other young pieces who we feel like we can keep around for two or three more years and just try to build something because they really do value that continuity. Which is absolutely the right move uh, because even down the line, yeah, you get to keep them for two, three years. But even once those rookie contracts are up, you have their bird rights, you have rights to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know, like, yeah, you can bring in books or Burks and Amon Shumpert and, you know, whatever other, right. you know, Jamari uh, Carrot, well, he got paid. But, yeah, just all these random veteran minimums and probably put together a team competing for the eight spot and then have to redo the same thing next year where this year uh, they have young assets and potentially young players that they can control, at least contractually, for the next however long. Uh, one thing about this season is, you know, I would put this up there with, it's so far, 20-something games in, uh, some of Steve Kerr's best coaching that I can remember besides his first year with the Warriors when he came in and implemented a system that, you know, unlocked two of the greatest shooters of all time. Uh, I, I think he's doing an incredible job uh, as far as dealing with these youngsters and trying to, you know, develop some young guys that can potentially be their bench moving forward, like you said. Yeah, and it feels like there's a lot more homework for him to take home now, too. I mean, it, he's constantly just sort of tinkering with things, trying to figure out, I mean, he had a rhythm, just like the rest of this team had a rhythm the last five years, right, where, you know, you, you keep these practices short, you keep these shoot-arounds short, you, you're really just sort of managing bodies, trying, you know, you're getting through as, as few practices as possible, laying at least a little bit of a foundation just so that you can let, like, the creativity and the talent of Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson, Draymond Green just sort of show over this foundation. But now he's got to build a whole new foundation. They're they're starting from the ground up, and for, and for him – for the assistant coaches and all this and, the, and this whole staff, which by the way is also completely, not completely, but are very much t- turned over as well. Yeah. Um, they are like, they're rebuilding their lesson plans, right? I mean, you think about like what a teacher does, you know, you build a lesson plan, you're good for like a decade, basically. Like you're like, you build your lesson plan one summer and you just teach that for the rest of your life, basically. Like that's not the case right now for Steve Kerr. Like he has to rebuild the entire lesson plan, figure out how to teach young guys, 
incrementally how to do certain things. And not only that, but he has to decide what things to teach them. Is it going to be a pick-and-roll heavy scheme for a few weeks? Is it going to be this motion offense? Is it going to be this or that? Um, who are we going to feature? How do we have to adjust based on the injuries? I mean, it just feels like there's a lot more things to figure out for him and for this coaching staff that he's leaned on quite a bit this season. Yeah, one of the things that I you know love and I think Steve is well-suited for uh, in both situations was you know dealing with egos on the, the team full of you know superstars and now having to try and rebuild egos on a team full of young guys who, you know, might have lost some confidence. You know, Mark Spellman's talked about it. Marquise Chris as well. You know, some of these young guys who have been traded, cut, whatever, undrafted. Uh, I, I think that's one of Steve's strengths is just his, his dealing with people in general. Well said. And it's, um, it, it's something that, you know, you try to build these guys up. And I think on one hand, it, it is something that he enjoys. It's something that this front office and this team could take pride in, even if those guys go off and, and, and have NBA careers somewhere else. And they fully expect some of these guys to do that, but they also want some of these guys to stick around. So there's going to be a balance. Like, okay, how many of these guys do we want to actually keep? Because you need to keep a few of these guys in order to make this season ultimately worth it. Um, but you don't want to just get so attached to these guys that you end up just punting on other opportunities to develop maybe even other better players going forward too and that's kind of that's yeah. part of what they need to figure out this season thank you guys so much for listening to locked on warriors on the locked on podcast network your team every day you are locked on warriors your daily podcast on the golden state warriors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.